picture this Lazy Sunday relaxing and staying in Lazy I was blessed with a lady I'm dating then I had no obligations and worries, no place to be but The way I see it, this is how all of my days should be No bill collectors calling, no officers chasing me Today my girl is stable, no longer is hating me I gaze and see the window, the neighborhood scenery She reads the magazine and starts quoting a phrase to me Man, I think this is cool, this is really a special moment I really felt that this was revealing the life I wanted I wonder why I usually suffer these evil times they need to try to survive and give me a new evil side My girl was screaming and cry, I never could read her mind Yeah, why can't all the rest of the days of the week be kind? I figured like, what else can I do? Go work some Monday Picture of my life, my competitor's perfect Sunday I'm bringing sexy back Sexy Sexy To comics podcast What does that mean? Like, where did sexy go? It I think he was, I think he was just kidding. For, Let's yeah. just leave that question up to our viewers. <laughs> Timberlake had it locked away tight. When it came back, these motherfuckers did It's about having a, a sexy back. All right. That's all it is. Right. Yeah. It's about shaving your it's back. It's about waxing your back. <laughs> uh, I, I take it back then. I definitely am not. <laughs> okay. I'm Ted and Torcio. Hello. And welcome to... <laughs> Hello and welcome to the inaugural podcast for Tinto Press, uh, a comics podcast about a myriad of topics, fun stuff. You know, we're going to let you know what we want you to be reading, and uh, we're going to be interviewing some cool people. Uh, and I'm going to now <laughs> give it off to Joy Michek. Hi, I'm Joy Michek, and uh, I'm just a general comics enthusiast, and I'm looking forward to just hanging out, having some good times with these guys, and talking about various different types of comics, not mainstream, not just mainstream, but also indie and non-fiction, fiction, whatever. Um, hopefully we'll get into some topics like religion and racism, women's issues, um, political, social, economic, who knows. So, looking forward to it. And you wanted to talk about different genres within comics, too. Right. I think that's a great, a great uh, series of topics. Think, yeah, so to we'll do. see what we, what we find there. Good stuff. My name is uh, Kevin Karen. I'm a cartoonist of ill repute. No, that's not right. I've uh, worked on a few things no for... Repute. No repute. No, no, <laughs> very little repute. Reputeless. Reputeless <laughs> cartoonist. Uh, I've, I've done some work for Moonstone and IDW, and I'm currently working on a creator-owned project and some other stuff. And I love comics and talking about them. Skag. That's what the boys called me in high school, dear diary. By which they meant I was ugly, disgusting, and they wouldn't be seen walking down the hall in school with me. Actually, hi there. My name is... But you can call me Rex. Okay. Alan? Yeah, that was definitive. <laughs> uh, I am Alan. And, uh, you know, I like comics. My father bought me my first comic when I was five. It was uh, Flash. Barry Allen Flash. I still have it. Drawn by Carmine yes. Infantino. Infantino. Did you like the art as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hated Carmine. Infantino I didn't like as a him. Kid. Now I, I think it's kind of it's interesting it's and it's very weirdness. Romantic. It's like yeah, it's like romance. Well, it's like that. as he got older, his his characters got like flatter. Their faces got like weird <laughs> and wide. Uh, I'm just gonna anyway. nod and smile as if I know what's <laughs> going on. I was a Marvel guy, so I didn't really get in. How limited? Oh. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, I, this is still my introduction, by the way. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm just kidding. I don't care. We Take your time. Take your time. Yeah, we can digress I mean, it a takes little. A lot, it takes a lot to, to say who I am, you know, so we should dedicate the full time to it. It takes a village. I'm a, Continue. I'm a cakes guy. So, you know, like uh, when the comics intellectual underground decided that we we're going to try to make it uh, more accessible to everybody, a lot of people left superheroes. Uh, 
kind of like look down on superheroes to be like, well, you know, comics do other things. You still read superhero comics? And, <laughs> you know, it's true. Comics do a lot of things, and I love all the things that comics do. But I love superheroes, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. We're not going to talk down to superheroes, but we're going to... Uh, <laughs> We're going to broaden. We're going to broaden everybody's horizons by talking about uh, more than superheroes uh, on a regular basis. For a second there, I thought you said you were a cakes guy, and I thought we were going to go all cakes, <laughs> boss. But no, I'm kind of disappointed. I'm actually. pretty serious about my cakes. I'm hungry. That's cupcakes, pumpkin cake. But well, yeah, just to be, just to be, cake. just to get Flat this out of jams. the way, you're a DC beef guy. Beefcakes. Cheesecake. Beefcake. <laughs> you like the beefcake? <laughs> I started with DC, and uh, he likes my cakes. father bought me lots of Who's Who. Yes. And, and so I learned a lot of like uh, you know 1940s characters and stuff like that. But uh, kind of like 11, 12, I was all Marvel. Huh? So I, the big two I spent a lot of time with, and the only problem, the only problem with the independents back when I was a kid was uh, they were always more expensive. They were always in black and white, and a lot of times the art and story were not as good. You know, mm -hmm. like you had to like pay more for the risk of not getting something that was consistent. Mm -hmm. right, right. I don't think that that's true anymore, but I think that that's what made it a little inaccessible for me back then. Well, I, I think you bring up a really valid point about about indie comics, and that is that it is a, a gamble whenever you buy stuff because it's at least as much. Well, let's be honest. I mean, I think probably about eighty percent of uh, indie comics isn't really the best stuff on the planet and you, you do have to do a little digging so hopefully you know with this podcast we can kind of sort through some of that for you mm -hmm. because we'd love to waste our time reading shitty comics <laughs> that's true shitty indie comics and um the uh i'm probably going to bleep those bad words out but oh. uh, but yeah Note, note to self. We're for the um, kids. But I think there's a, a great untapped... <laughs> kids aren't even going to listen to this. Yeah, kids hate comics. <laughs> this is for adults. I think there's a great untapped um, audience for this uh, for, for comics. You know, people that read books, for instance. I think there's something there in comics. It's not a genre. You know, it's, it's bigger than a genre. It's like saying books are a genre. It's a medium. Like it's Kevin a medium. Said. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we can, you know, suggest some some great stuff that might not, you know, be being advertised like the the latest, you know, Tom Cruise film. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's uh, go around really quickly and get everybody's opinions on on things they'd like to talk about. Uh, I'll start with Joy. Hmm. Okay. Well, I talked a little bit earlier about what I would like to talk about. One of the comics that I think would be interesting to talk about is a web comic called Girl Genius. And that has a obviously female protagonist, and to see some of the perspective on that. What's the web uh, site URL? Um, I think it's girlgenius.com. I'm not totally sure. I'd have to look it up, but it's Phil Folio. Phil Folio yeah, right? it is a. Phil it used to be a print comic, is it? It not used a print? To, yeah. It started out. Phil Folio has been in comics for a little while. He's the main writer and artist. Um, actually, writes it with his wife, mm -hmm. Kaya Folio. Um, <laughs> And then he draws it and other people color it. And it was a print comic originally. And then they just wanted to be able to have, you know, kind of do their own project and control it. And they put it online. So it's completely free. You can read all of it. Then you can buy the books if you're so inclined afterwards. And, of course, they have other products, too, you know, that go along with it. And they're doing really well. I mean, I think I've heard an interview with him where he said he was really lucky because since he was already popular in comics or, you know, he had enough of a following that he could actually do this and make it successful. But I think that there are other web comics that are also becoming successful as well. So web comics is another, 
you know, area or part of comics that would be interesting for me to talk about. Moving, moving on, Alan, what, what are some of the things that you'd like to, to cover in future podcasts? Well, you know, uh, since I'm somebody who comes from uh, a really strong superhero background, I, I'm, I've never been against indie comics, but I, I look forward to, there's a way that sometimes indie can give this presentation that I don't think is necessarily accurate, uh, where it's like, uh, we... We have we have less evolved our less evolved story, but read us because we're smarter. You know, you need to work for us to get our stuff. And I think uh, the best indie comics are the ones that could present their their deeper view, their postmodernness, or their like analysis of real life uh, in a way that is appealing, fun, and intellectual. And I, I think the places where like we stumble when we're trying like just as indie artists or whatever is that we don't. Uh, we don't try to reach, we don't make our stuff accessible. And I know it seems like that's a part, a purpose somewhat of this podcast. And I kind of look forward to seeing more of that, like kind of discussing where that disconnect has been happening. Mm. You know, because when you look at something, say like blankets, you mm. know, from back then, it's not, it's not super evolved art, but it's, it's really moving storytelling. You know? It is. It's very accessible in yeah. that regard. I mean, it, not, it might not be as accessible as, um, superhero comics just in terms of availability mm. you know oh, yeah. uh, I was reading comics uh, for a couple of years before I heard um, about blankets mm. and somebody said what you've never heard of blankets and I said mm. no and they said well you, here you should read this and uh, again it's 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 something that you you know you have to look into you have to yeah. kind of dig a little it's and true. Uh, but I, I see your point which is that sometimes there's a a huge disconnect because uh, indie comics tend to be more art-based and less about entertainment. But well, even um, in the art, it's less about entertainment sometimes. It's very like eclectic in, in this just strange kind of way. Right, but there's also the fact that it's there's not the same types of resources. I mean, like when you're talking about the big two, I mean, they just have a huge staff and all these types of resources to put into it so they can really refine a vision much more kind of sharply in that sense to say, oh, this is what is going to be. It's going to be accessible. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be beautiful, whatever. You know, whereas an independent artist, you know, they might just be one individual who's working on. Something. I think we need to define what indie actually means because. Great, great. How do you, how do you, what is an indie comic? Is Dark Horse Comics indie? Mm. They're, they're not part of the big two. I'd hardly call them really yeah. indie. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they've, I think they yeah, have a, I think they have a studio. At tw you know, they have a, an office at Twenty Six right. Fox. Um, they have the license to so, Star and, Wars. And comics. I don't think right. I don't think indie comics really is a certain style. Mm. It's mm -hmm. up to the creator. Um, I was told by one one of my friends, it's like, oh, you're you know, you're not you're not really that much of an indie artist. You're you're, <laughs> pre you're pretty mainstream. It's like, uh, look, I I am not part of indie. The quote indie comics group. I'm not part of the mainstream. Therefore, I'm indie. I'm more indie than indie. Right. <laughs> Though I may draw in a more mainstream, popular style, just because I draw more realistically. Yeah. Just because I choose to do so doesn't make me mainstream. You're like the hipster of hipsters. Right? Yes. I think. It, I think it brings up. I think it brings up a lot of interesting elements in terms of. For instance, both Rex and I, I would say, are, as artists, 
would be considered a lot more quote unquote mainstream compared to guys like Sam Spina who would be more readily identifiable as alternative or indie, but both of us would also be, you know, considered not mainstream by the mainstream publishers or, or have been in, in a portfolio <laughs> review or a critique here or there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, I, and did, I did inking on a mainstream Marvel project and showed those sample pages to a quote indie publisher mm -hmm. And he said, "Oh, they're you know you have a nice indie style, but we're, it's not what we're looking for." It's like, well, okay, right, like, like I had it's I like was, it's a Marvel style apparently. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I was in a, in a review, a portfolio review with uh, Top Cow, and they called me underground. And I'm like, yeah. I'm a cartoonist from the '60s, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, and, and then we look. Uh, Alan mentioned uh, blankets, and I would say that, I mean, to me. Uh, his art style and the lushness of his art style is almost the biggest selling point in some ways to me of Craig Thompson's work. And so it almost makes me think that, you know, it has a lot to do with, like Ted was saying, our expectations mm -hmm. of, you know, what, uh, what good comic art is or, or what, what comics are what, as a right, definition. And, and I think that it's definitely true that there are, there are, uh, indie comics that have a, a cruder style or but, but then personally I tend to like even though I draw one way which is you know kind of pretty heavily rendered and whatnot um, I tend to appreciate artwork that is simplified but, but for me I feel like you can have an eye where it, you know you can appreciate when the cartooning is sort of that by that definition that it's simplified deliberately it, it mm. is, is simple it's very calculated at why the thing is simple versus when the thing looks you know sort of crude you know and and hard to you know uh, penetrate i don't really think there is a true indie drawing style at least not anymore i mean mar the right. the house marvel dc styles they've they incorporate what used to be more in oh, yeah. indie now like uh, I think this week, this past week, the first issue of Wolverine Max came out. There's a couple of different artists working on it, but one of the artists in there, I mean, it's totally what you would, might think of as, uh, quote, indie, unquote. Um, mm -hmm. And it's for a mainstream Wolverine comic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to say, uh, I guess, I want to make sure that I'm clear that the point I was making is about uh, the perception of indie comics, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. another reason I think that it's important to make that distinction is because if we're going to examine it and like why people would read and why they should, why they wouldn't, mm -hmm. the perception is that this is less evolved art, less evolved story. That's what and I. We're going to charge you more, and those and it's sometimes <laughs> true, you know. I mm -hmm. generally will agree with you. Like a lot of times when there's quote an indie comic i look at it and it's like i don't think it's as well drawn as a mainstream comic it's like i want to read the subject matter and the yeah. stories of an indie quote yep. indie comic more than the mainstream mm -hmm. uh marvel or dc comic mm -hmm. but since it is a visual medium i'm gonna go with more often with the one that has the better visuals even though it is the story that really can hook you. I just want to um, further define what we're talking about in terms of mainstream versus indie. Um, and in, in my mind, uh, 
mainstream versus indie shouldn't be uh, superheroes versus everything else or, uh, um, you know, anything uh, that, uh, you know, in terms of what you were talking about, Alan, with, for instance, R. Crumb, you know, being indie and underground yeah. and all of that. No, I think mainstream should mean something that is for a mass audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean necessarily superhero. It could be, because there's a lot of, I mean, with the proliferation of superhero movies, that's Certainly obviously now. become mainstream. Yeah, yeah and that's but, what's weird is that the, the before superhero movies did not used to be considered a mainstream yeah, thing. <laughs> right. So, so what, it's weird that the comics industry had this totally non-mainstream subject matter be its mainstream. Right. And now it's actually, that's becoming the mainstream the of film. Mainstream. But, the, right. but the point I want to make, too, is, is that while superheroes can be mainstream, I think Blankets is very mainstream in terms of its um, accessibility, in terms of its relatability to a broad audience. I mean, you do not have to love superhero comics no. to really dig no. this it's this true. book. And you don't have to explain to anyone no. any backstory. You can go, right. just here, just read yeah, this. I feel safe like giving it. it to anybody. And that's, yeah. and that's the kind of thing I think we need to approach uh, when, we're, when we're bringing up a comic, when we say it's, you know, this is a mainstream comic in terms of its audience, its potential right. audience, you know. Right. And one of the things I really hate about uh, the uh, stereotyping uh, of, 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 of the comics uh, industry uh, mm -hmm. the medium is that people say ah comics superheroes yeah. no it's not that's not the case and and hopefully you know through future podcasts we can we can sort of uh, expose that I lie. think that's changing really fast now finally. I hope so I mean you go to Barnes and Noble they have Walking Dead displays right right mm -hmm. and everyone loves Walking Dead right right well and but a lot of people were probably introduced to it from the television series exactly. I would imagine so and well, they not even know it was a comic right yeah exactly right. so when they a lot of people don't actually that brings up an interesting point in terms of mainstream too because if you look at Blanket specifically that that has gained so much attention that it moved from being published by an alternative comics publisher and I think it was. I want to say it was Top Cow, uh, not Top Cow, Top Shelf, um, but it's he's now being published by Pantheon, I think, oh. and and so I mean, and and you can find blankets in pretty much any Barnes and Noble, any bookstore that Same has. Same Chris Ware, right? And Chris Ware is now well, no, Chris Ware is still Fantagraphics, but um, there. What was the new one? The Building Stories wasn't Fantagraphics. Building Stories, I think, is it's either Pantheon or uh, it's one of the larger ones. It's not Fantagraphics. I think it's, it's still not Fantagraphics. Huh. <laughs> Edit. No, but, uh, but, but, but that, that's a great example. I mean, I remember think, feeling, you know, some people in comics felt vaguely like weren't sure how to react when uh, Craig Thompson and, and the big success that Blankets was. And I think a lot of it is the fact that it's both accessible story-wise and, I mean, the, the art is just really beautiful. And so it was an easy, you know, it, it was an easy one to, to hand to people. Although, you know, and the subject matter is a little challenging, but it's true. It's in every bookstore. And, and so in some ways that makes it more mainstream than, you know, uh, your, yeah. your average random spinoff of whatever the giant crossover is this <laughs> month from the main publishers. Yeah. The event. Right, the event. I guess it's a bit funny from my perspective to hear or to look at this, some of these subjects, just because I actually do have more background of reading, like, Japanese manga, mm -hmm. and that is all, you know, black and white, for example, like, you know, they don't really do a lot of things in color, 
and that's something that's more considered, you know, indie in the U.S. And the storylines can be focused at anyone, you know, whether it's young girls or women or men or young boys, you know, and they've they definitely have their specific genres though that aren't necessarily particularly challenging for say like a lot of the you know teen yeah. romance right actually when i think stuff. about that when i when i was 12 years old one of the first quote indie comics i got was uh, lone wolf and cub oh yeah when first comics started publishing it and that was definitely quote gateway right yeah. it's a gateway drug <laughs> The savage gang had him hanging over a bridge in traffic lanes. Slapped the main thug and promised him massive pain. Swung him by his leg, he gave me the bass's name. No surprise, I thought it was probably pain. Tonight was crime alley, I gotta be on my game. To honor what I promised to Thomas and Martha Wayne. It's hard to say this isn't the goth of my father's grave. I tracked the operation and finally saw a chain. The daughter of notorious officer Tommy Blake, who finally was indicted because he was on the take. Forgot to pay Morcone before he was locked away. So now they want the blood, I'm stopping and watch you safe. Karate chopped the free until they were not awake. All the pain I saw with across the face. I work for the future, it's never too far away. Uh Does the mask ever master me? Not after I master my tragedy. Does the mask ever master me? Not after I master my tragedy. Does the mask ever master me? Not after I master my tragedy. Is the master the mask of me? Thanks, Batsy, for asking me. It's a wide earth, please leave me a wide berth Unless you ordered your last handshake with a side of wide smirk guffaw First of all, the clown's the first of all But only from the ground up is a person of all and laugh What kind of rat evolved into a bat? And what kind of problem do you solve with a mask? Should I mention her when I shot the daughter of the commissioner? Rotted Barbara's body in a paralyzed condition Her pains aside, your sick system is broken My prescription, getting up and choking Hey, Patsy, you wanna play Patsy? With this kind of style no mask will ever match me I toss the bathwater and you save the bitch When you look into my eyes you see Gotham Maybe I'm the Argonaut of Arkham I please them they release me The mask is your master but deep down it needs me Does the mask ever master me? Not after I master my tragedy Does the mask ever master me?
I love that song. Okay. I love that song. I feel like and it changed my life. <laughs> we're we're back. Alan, you had a a, a point yeah. earlier. So I was saying that uh, the whole uh, the problems that plague indie comics, plague any sort of uh, any sort of genre of creativity or art. So like underground music, uh, fine art that goes underground, underground fashion, whatever it is, it's always inaccessible, sometimes on purpose because it makes it cooler to the people who are a part of it. But then they always kind of get to that place where they commiserate why more people don't listen to this brilliant stuff. And I think yeah. one of the reasons is because underground a lot of times is art for artists. So when you listen to really underground jazz, it's something that only jazz musicians can appreciate because they know what goes into it. Right. Kevin, you made that point earlier about uh, as an artist being able to tell when an, another artist simplifies their style intentionally. Right, right. But somebody who's not an artist, they're just like, eh, it's simple, I don't get it. You know, that's me, by the way. That was my voice I was doing. That <laughs> uh, wasn't Ted. Don't be confused. <laughs> and like in uh, hip-hopper, like, uh, like in rap, a lot of really underground MCs, they'll rap for like 60 bars without a chorus. Because right. it's all about the intricacy. But then the casual rap listener, they don't have anything to entertain them. For real so, rap. Yeah. So it's just, it's just part of every, every kind of art genre, any kind of creativity. And I, you know, I think as we examine it, we can also think about how that is informed by all these other scenes. Sure. I don't even particularly like the term underground. Again, I, I, what Kevin went, yeah. was saying earlier, it's like, it's like a 60s term, you know? I think there's obscure. Right. And, and there's, 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 comics. There's, there's, there's comics that ha haven't been marketed because they don't have the money to market it, yeah. you know? Uh, and uh, hopefully we can be a venue for making it less obscure. I think... Underground just needs to be saved for anything from the 60s and like up to like 1978. Right. Although that is a term for comics. Right, in terms of comics, because in other, in other uh, genres it, it wouldn't, or in other uh, mediums it wouldn't be. I, you know, I think it's also interesting that it, when it comes to comics, the whole concept of what's mainstream and what isn't is even stranger because of comics' odd history in the way that, you know, in the 50s and the, uh, uh, the, the hearings they had and the Wortham's book. and mm -hmm. Because at the time, as far as I know, in the 50s, before all of that, before, you know, they were outlawing all the crime comics and romance comics and horror comics, and, that, and that's pretty much why we have, uh, you know, this one kind of odd genre of superheroes being mm -hmm. considered quote-unquote mainstream. Yeah. You know, as far as I know, at the time in the fifties, uh, female readers were at least at least fifty percent of the reading populace reading. You know, primarily all of the romance titles, and before so comics bizarrely before the hearings and whatnot. You might need to before the, the comics codes, yes, yeah, so right. Before the comics code authority. Uh, well, that could be a whole podcast yeah, right there on, on the hearings. History definitely, but it's right. worth bringing up now because it is so uh, indelibly like etched into America. why things are the way they are. Right. You know, and, and it's interesting, like, like the, so comics becomes, what's quote-unquote mainstream becomes this one very specific genre, and, and just as an example, like, female readers are lost for almost, you know, 50 uh, years, right. only to come back in, in large numbers with things like manga and, and maybe Sandman and things like that to, to have a new entry point, you know, and, and that's another interesting thing as a, a, someone who worked for a retailer to kind of see that 
for instance, with the manga, I mean, at, when I first was hired, none of us knew from manga other than, you know, maybe Lone Wolf and Cub and a few other things. Kamui! <laughs> and, and, uh, but, you know, we, we, there, there was definitely a, a rack in the store that was, that, you know, we did our best to, to try to understand what to shelve and would have an audience that, you know, of, of younger women and, and teenage girls and stuff that, you know, knew their stuff and, and, you know, we, we just did our best to anticipate their needs until we finally started actually hiring people who knew their manga. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it always kind of impressed me that, you know, uh, a, a sort of another country's and other culture's art, you know, is actually bringing in an audience that we had, that for you know, given up on for generations. Yeah, well, because, like, manga is so mainstream, in particular in Japan. I mean, right. It's, it's completely normal. It's right. not... It's exactly what I'd like to see happen yeah. with comics here in the States. Right. You know, everybody, there are a, a, a number of markets within manga. You know, housewives, mm -hmm. uh, oh, boys, girls, wow. uh, businessmen. You the know. problem, is, I think, is color and mm -hmm. how Americans are they're mm -hmm. addicted to color. Right. I mean, <laughs> I used to think that the, the I'm not sure if it's manga or manga. I've heard people say, oh, it's actually manga. Yeah, and I always say it's manga, so it I'm going to say manga tonight, but... Um, Apparently, they're having a hard time, too, in, mm, in really? Japan. I mean, and a lot of it's just due to the internet. No one wants to pay for this right. stuff. Right. Mm. Well, I, and, and I could see that that, you know, that sort of transition being made, you know, from, yeah. from cheap paper to uh, something even cheaper. I just, the, the thing internet. is, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't see the actual monthly comic ever. Making a comeback? Going to, no, it's, I mean, it's still going. But I don't think it, people are gonna buy it on a regular basis because. Right. I mean, I was when I got back into comics a few years ago, I started buying Daredevil and Captain America because I was an Ed Brubaker fan from when in the '90s he did Low Life, which was a quote unquote indie comic, um, you know, about like slacker type stories. Um, so, but then he be he became like one of the biggest uh, mainstream writers around mm -hmm. and so I started reading those but then after a while I just they just started piling up because you don't get a complete story with any right. single issue yeah. so I would I would get behind so I would just let them pile up anyway so so that's why you have so many people waiting for the trade mm -hmm. as they right. say oh, yeah well that's, that's what yeah me too mm -hmm. um and I, the idea yeah. it's People like to make the com the comparison that a, a a serialized comic, a monthly comic, is like an installment of one episode of a TV show. But I think it's more like in between commercial breaks. <laughs> it's like not even a whole show. Right. Um, so you have to give. I think you have to either give people more of a complete something per month, or space it out and make people wait a little more. Right. Mm -hmm. Until thought... you get something that's a whole story or at least a large chunk of right. it. Right. I would go so far as to blame Marvel or, or DC to a certain extent for that, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, with these ma massive story arcs <clears throat> that take 50 issues. Yeah. And, well, the, the thing and, and is I understand it. I understand the, ne the necessity yeah. to want to bring them back the audience to like find out what happens in the next and hook them into you know ongoing sales and I'm a regular buyer of Daredevil or I'm a regular buyer of this you know artist anyway.
But um, yeah, at some point people go, wait, wait a minute, you know, yeah, I yeah. want to read a story. I don't want to have to um, buy a thousand issues I've or something. Spent $200. Right. How well, does it end? And I don't, yeah, I don't want to wait around. I mean, right. when I read something, I want to know that the ending is there for me. I don't have to wait for it because I'm going to forget what right. happens. I'm gonna, I, seriously, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I that's why I, That's why I let them pile up because right. I forget month to month what mm-hmm. is happening. Right. And I go back right. and read again and I don't want to do that. And it's so. But, go on. But, um,. I forgot what I was going to say now. Well, I think that it, oh, it has sorry. as much to do. I think it has as much to do with the fact that the the quote unquote mainstream Marvel DC uh, publishing model right now is okay. We have locked in this one group of eh, maybe Gen X age, maybe a little younger readers who were reading from the eighties and the Jim Shooter days, and they're still reading and they're still passionate. They're not that many. But we can get them to buy like forty bucks a comics a week because they have jobs now, and then <laughs> right. they're not doing anything that gets new readers. They're not doing, you know what I mean. And so I think that's that's a big part of why it's not so much the cliffhanger as it is how can I sell the same one guy twenty comics that he has to have when back in the day, you know, hundreds of thousands of people kids. all over the place, especially kids, would buy. The one X Men title every month. Right now, you have to sell. You've, you've reduced that readership from five hundred thousand to thirty thousand, or something like that. That's why they're double shipping now. Right, and so now we got to make sure that one guy who's still reading in, in in the place of you know fifty kids back in the day is going to buy fifty different X Men spinoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to in order to keep the thing. And I'm sure uh, that's that's that's. Uh, something that they have been thinking about quite a bit, and I think the movies go a long way for marketing people to say, "Ah, oh, this is going to hook a whole generation of kids yeah. on the Avengers and you know mm. Captain America and so forth." Or, or, or on our licensed products, which is what well, really pays the well, price. Well, okay, I was, you know I was at Barnes and Noble, and they had a display for for the Avengers. Mm. Lots of these Avengers products, mm. not a single comic, right? Comic. Storybook types, or like Where's Waldo types huh. of books, pop-up books, not a single comic. Wow. Yeah, I think, well, I think it has become kind of a thing where the marketing has uh, out, out, you know, uh, moded the, the actual product it was originally, you know, right. built to, to promote. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the Avengers movie probably made more this year than uh, the last 10 years of uh, mar- of. Avengers right, comics, right. yeah, and uh, to a certain extent, the comics <laughs> right, have gone exactly. have gone to to support the movie. Well, the comics are are almost there just to to keep the publishers from losing, you know, uh, all of these characters into the public domain, because as, as far as I understand. Both of the major publishers make all of their money in licensing and putting, you know, sure. Super Friends on a, a macaroni and cheese box <laughs> and not on selling Super Friends comics, which is a fascinating thing that uh, these characters whose stories are engaging enough that everyone's watching the cartoon and the and the movie, you know, manage to not be uh, engaging enough to actually buy the comic. It's a it's a model that started several years ago. I mean, uh, I work, I used to work for TBS and uh, they were closely associated with the Cartoon Network. It's all in one building. Mm-hmm. And the Cartoon Network, I heard one time, uh, well, many people told me that they make their, their nut. They make 
their money off of uh, merchandising, uh, right. their their you know Powerpuff Girls and and their uh, um, Samurai Jack and that the, the dolls and the all the, the T-shirts and so on and on and on. All these products make about ninety percent of where their revenue comes from, right. and the the actual television show is sort of this uh, linchpin or this 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 right. part of it that. Uh, um, supports all the marketing. It's 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 a role reversal. It's the popular. I mean, it's the commercial. Just like right. like when a company like Hasbro runs a cartoon for whatever product they're trying to sell, whether it's you know My, My Little, Little Pony, Pony doll, <laughs> right? A My Little Pony doll, or you know, but Freestyle even My Pony other Shira and He Man and you know, right and you know any of those types of products where it's like oh it's really to sell the doll it's not right, really right. or gem the hologram that totally worked <laughs> I bought all those G.I. Joe guys well but, yeah, comics, comics are a language Transformers. Right. and people don't want to take the time to That's learn, true. learn I, the language it's like people love Mexican food doesn't mean they actually want to go to Mexico but they, you know, the or actually hang around um, and learn all the different customs of Mexico right, like right. they just like you know oh that I kind of like the surface, I like the flavor of that. Yeah. I don't really need to delve any deeper into yeah. it than that. No. I mean, I would argue that comics is, like, a lot of people would argue, like, oh, I just don't even know from, like, I have a friend who's a novelist, and I, it's he's hard to turn him on to comics, and he'll try to make the argument that, you know, uh, I just don't know how to read these things, you know? I just don't know from comics. And I'm like, you know what? I guarantee you do. You you, you read the that webcomic you think is so funny. You read Calvin and Hobbes. You read, you know, The you Far Side. The, do you read the, the words first or do you look at the picture? Right, I, yeah. Like, I guarantee you, if I put a Bloom County in front of you or, or you know, Calvin and Hobbes or Peanuts, Peanuts, you know exactly how to read it. So guess what? You know how to read comics. But in, in another... Snap them after that. Right. You know, I, I try not to because of the lawsuit. But <laughs> then the other thing that's interesting is when we're talking about the, the mainstream comics sort of just supporting the licensing you know it, it, that's also true of the successful web comics like if you look at something right. like Homestar Runner or whatever mm -hmm. those guys do that as a job I'm sure because they manage to sell the t-shirts mm -hmm. the, the the Wii game the, the puppet or whatever they have there well that's the same with Girl Genius right right and so you know it, it, it's an interesting phenomenon that like we in general as a culture don't want to have to pay to read something anymore thanks to the music. internet I mean, music, but right the, or music all, yeah. the, all the money's made from at the show, right? For, yeah. With the over means you're overcharging right. for merchandise, right. but you have to in order to, you know, pay for. Yeah, it. I have an iTunes gift. I got two iTunes gift certificates for my birthday, and I don't even know what to do with it because I'm just so used to stealing <laughs> all the music. I know. I, I have. I have all the music. All the what music. Am I free. Man? Right. And maybe you. Maybe you. Can you also Go to the library and get these things, and you can get comics exactly. at your local library. You I read a music. lot in the library. Yeah, you can get true. your music at the local library. You can get your movies. I mean, that's a great point. Well, um, I'm gonna uh, go ahead and ask that we make any kind of uh, closing comments. Anything that you you know really want to that you might not have hit yet. All right. Well, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to seeing where we go with all this stuff. Independent versus mainstream. Man, we really got into a debate today about that. Where where the line is and what we're doing and we'll just we'll see and maybe that's where this podcast is gonna you know shine maybe that's where this this podcast is going to be different from other podcasts we're not just going to interview people we're going to get in an actual roundtable discussion a, a, a friendly roundtable discussion about 
elements of comics and uh, uh, different genres and subjects uh, surrounding comics that will inform the, the uh, listener as well as ourselves. Kevin? I'd like to say in closing, I want to thank Rex for my awesome birthday present, which is uh, Superboy number 98, the first appearance of Ultra Boy. Oh, nice. Because he nice. knows that I'm a crazy Legion fan, and that's why player. Rex is awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to say, Rex, before, um, before we do our plugs? Looking at this inversion IPA bottle of beer, I keep thinking it says USA, like inversion USA, and it makes me think of Chuck Norris. Ooh. Okay. You, Alan? <laughs> yeah, even I don't get that. Uh, there were Invasion things, USA. Invasion USA. There were things that have been privately important to me over the years uh, because I had to fight for my geek status. You know, like, they, I wasn't surrounded by people who knew this stuff. I like the idea that I, we can talk about the Kirby stuff or Wortham. You know, like, I can be like, yeah. Because, you know, before that, I would drop that and people just, their, their eyes go all crazy and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I look forward to being able to discuss and learn some of these things from different perspectives. That's, that's going to be cool for me. Alan, is there anything you'd like to uh, promote? Anything you'd like to say? Anybody, you know, you'd like to uh, uh, just give a shout out or anything like that? My mama. <laughs> so uh, I am working on uh, music, SoulDaddyMusic.com. There's gonna be a song at uh, a SoulDaddyOneWord.com. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like a rap spelling, you know, like everything's spelled properly. And uh, there's super, there's a lot of comic uh, references in there. Soul that just go past people. Daddy, who don't listen. Music. There we go. That's the one word. Yeah. Dot com. Check it out. It's free stuff. Change your life. Free you stuff. Person. Thanks for supplying some music for our breaks. This stuff is great. Uh, really, Thanks. really excited that we can get some of this stuff on a regular basis to you know expose our listeners to. Yeah, thank you. Joy, do you have anything to plug? No. Kevin, I just want to also give a shout out to Alan's mom. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, do you have anything else you'd like to That's shout out? That's all I got. This does wrap up our inaugural podcast for Tinto Press. Um, I'd like to thank all of our uh, uh, speakers. And uh, I'd like to say, check out TintoPress.com. That's www.TintoPress.com for new publications, indie comics, and uh, indie comic news. So thanks again for listening. And I'll be very interested in seeing everybody's uh, opinions, comments, and so forth. Uh, furthermore, if you would like to come up with a name for our podcast, and we do uh, use it, I'll send you a free copy of Homesick by Jason Walls, the inaugural publication of Tinto Press. So thanks very much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Cue the music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What you, you need a, you need a, you need a thing that goes business. like, oh, Tinto fun. Press. So yeah. She got me falling sideways Got me caught up in these mind games She called me out of my name Name She got me falling sideways Got me caught up in a blind haze I gotta change my mind frame She only had
happy when I'm working for her. Washing the dishes or pouring a glass of water for her. Pumping the gas, running the bath, rubbing the back. But when I want to rap, she running yeah. her mouth like water from tap. Apparently, she told my girls I'm not the marrying type. Because of my need to always have to be invariably right, right? It turns her on whenever I'm wrong. It's like I'm married to a terrorist wearing a thong. Come on, that ain't life with all of this conflict. It's obvious I'm talking with all of the wrong chicks. It's pimp craft, conjuring chicks and blonde wigs. We all get into a sign of topless. Hey, I'm just imagining me in a single life and making like I'm whipping the sequel to Boogie Nights. See, that's the problem. Most often I'm pretty peaceful. So why would I want a woman to constantly give me evil? There was a time I was really a nice guy. But women be like dying to hit me with white guys. See, I'm a Leo. I'm trying to treat you good. A lion wouldn't cheat, but I bet you a tiger would. She got me falling sideways. She got me caught up in mind games. She called me out of my name. Name. Man. She got me falling sideways. Got me caught up in a blind haze. I gotta change my mind frame. Frame. She got me falling like Alicia Keys It's like I'm on a leash or on a lease From Mona Lisa's knees Her portraits full of portraits And they all believe in me deceased Seems that she's a thieving beast My heart's like stolen art And now my arms are pulled like puppet strings Mind is like a Rubik's Cube And she's the master of it Manipulate me and my movements too Movements to my mouth Cause she like the taste of spearmint I should make her my ex But I'm obsessed with our experiments The ecstasy, the terms of art endearment Tyrannosaurus Rexus and Alexis for her pyramid She's impossible giving me obstacles Cause the only way to catch her optical And maybe a kiss is to up the risk Of ending up in the hospital with a shattered disc She's not impressed by my hot spit She says it doesn't matter and I'm not shit I think she toxic The way she toxic, I'm nauseous She got me falling sideways She got me caught in mind games She called me out of my name, name, man.